This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, October 27th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, masks to stay. Telluride moves forward with winter RV camping. Town Council passes Telluride 2022 budget and a mountain weather forecast. Masks are here to stay, likely through the winter. Really moving into November, um, I I think it would be prudent for us to continue our indoor public mask order and reassess it on a monthly basis. As we know, um, data continually evolves, our situation continually evolves. That's San Miguel County Public Health Director Grace Franklin speaking at a Board of County Commissioners meeting on Wednesday. While Franklin says public health will continue to reassess the data, she adds residents and visitors to San Miguel County should prepare for some kind of mask mandate through the winter. But she says at this time, there's no need for further public health restrictions, such as lodging or restaurant capacity limits. We're in a completely different place than we were last winter, having vaccines available and having such a high uptake from our community. Um, So I don't know if there is a true tangible benefit to these other more severe measures, knowing that we have so many other layers of protection at this point. A high vaccination rate in San Miguel County and vaccines for younger children coming soon is the main bright spot when it comes to current COVID response. Colorado is currently one of only 10 states in the country with an increasing case rate for COVID. Franklin says statewide, Colorado is seeing the most positive cases since January 2021. Case numbers, hospitalizations, and deaths are all increasing. Hospital capacity across the state is currently at 90%, and the majority of hospitals on the front range are on divert. That means they're unable to accept additional patients who need care. Regionally, it's a similar picture. Within the Western Slope, Montrose and Delta have also been on divert for the last few weeks. Um, and St. Mary's has been able to um, manage, um, but um, it is strained um, there. And anecdotally, there's been folks that have been transferred all across the state. Um, and um, one individual was actually um, transferred out of state because no one within um, the entire state of Colorado could care for their type of trauma. As for the reason for the increase in disease burden, Franklin says it's a number of factors, like increased movement and travel, less compliant mask use, and weather moving people indoors. But two main points stick out. The fact that we have these pockets of unvaccinated populations and areas where um, vaccination rates are substantially lower than the state national averages. And then also waning immunity for those that are 65 and older. Um, we're really seeing those impacts for hospitalizations as well, which um, hopefully with boosters um, will help minimize that effect. San Miguel County's mask mandate will remain in place through the month of November, with the potential to extend further into the winter. Public health plans to issue additional guidance on mask requirements for people performing on stage and indoor sporting events with low contact and high ventilation. Drastic times call for drastic measures. After months of discussion, the town of Telluride is moving forward with a plan to allow RV camping in the town park parking lot. The aim is to provide a bit more temporary housing to alleviate the regional housing crisis this winter. But the decision? 
was not an easy one. Everyone is working, looking to work as a team to make it happen, um, but it is putting a lot on the plate of staff. That's town manager Ross Herzog briefing council at their meeting this week. The time and effort it would take staff to roll out the program is a major concern for council. Staff will have to work out logistics on several issues, including electricity, parking, snow plowing, and management. Cost is another concern. Necessary expenses to install electrical infrastructure come out to be about $25,000, according to Herzog. There would also be other facility and maintenance costs. If town aims to get the camping up by Thanksgiving and run it through the end of the winter season, Herzog says it would be about $1,000 a month per spot for nine spots. So I'm not sure what the subsidy would be want, you know, to have that happen. I think $1,000 seems like an expensive parking spot to park your camper for a month. Here's Mayor Delaney Young, followed by council members Jesse Ray Arguez and Tom Watkinson, reacting to Herzog's overview. That's quite an eye-opener. It does seem logistically and financially much bigger than uh, I had initially thought. I'm all for like accommodating people, but the impacts that it's having both on our park and our staff and the logistics of everything, those are all huge concerns for me. Logistics aside, there is sufficient demand for the program. According to Herzog, more than enough people have expressed interest in using the parking lot camping spaces. I envision that this will be something that at the administrative level to almost have a lottery um, because it would exceed the nine spaces that's available on the uh, original proposal. On that front, Mayor Pro Tem Todd Brown is concerned whether the spots would just be occupied by people already camping in their cars rather than creating new housing spots for people without any options. Are we just uh, um, taking illegal campers and making them legal? Herzog says that's part of it, but there's also a mix of people who have expressed interest. There is also quite a few that are, I have a job opportunity, however, I don't have a living arrangement to make that happen. This would allow me to take that job. Ultimately, council's endorsement was far from enthusiastic. Council member Arguez acknowledges it's not an ideal solution and there are many potential impacts, but she's for the temporary winter camping. We'll have to deal with some of those impacts as we go um, and, and troubleshoot them as we go. But I think the important thing is to get the ball rolling. Councilmember Watkinson remains firmly against the idea for this year. I don't think we can do it responsibly, safely, healthily. I'm all for affordable housing. I can hear the voices right now, but uh, I don't think this is a, I don't think this is a responsible way of moving forward with our housing situation. Council directed staff four to two to move forward with RV camping in the town park parking lot for this winter. Council members Watkinson and Lars Carlson were the two no votes. Council member Geneva Shawnette was not at the meeting. The town does not have a definite start date for the camping. Step one, Herzog notes, is to install the electrical infrastructure. Telluride's 2022 budget is set. At Tuesday's town council meeting, council unanimously approved the budget for next year. KOTO News spoke with Ross Herzog, Telluride Town Manager, about the highlights for next year. Ross, thanks for coming in and chatting a little bit about Telluride's budget, which Town Council passed at Tuesday's meeting. Congratulations on getting that done. Thank you. 
you know, obviously we hear the word the budget. Um, we know broad strokes of what that means in general. But when it comes to town government, can you just give a brief overview of what Telluride's budget does? Certainly. There is two major pieces, but basically all of our services uh, are paid through somehow of the general fund. Uh, and we also have a capital fund, which helps do our infrastructure. So our operations and maintenance generally are the general fund when we talk about that. And those are the primary revenue source in there is sales tax. Uh, when we talk about building uh, projects in the parks or putting in sewer or anything like that, that's a capital project. And those funds generally come from our real estate transfer tax. And so obviously there's the numbers of how much each thing is going to cost. But another piece of the budget is the goals and objectives that the town sets out each year. I know there's a lot of them. So broad strokes of what those are for the town in 2022 and why having those um, goals and objectives is important when it comes to what the budget looks like. Yeah, certainly. So it's almost the three legs of the stool. We have, you know, the goals and objectives, and that's an opportunity to first have the discussion to align our strategy going forward. So council takes a lot of time to, to digest and make the goals and objectives that will align with our budget so we can achieve those. So um, in the last couple of years, we've actually added an additional piece to that, and that's our town council, uh, Telluride town council values as well. So there are some value statements um, in the years past. A lot of those value statements were kind of mixed in with the goals and objectives. And this is a nice way to clean that up. Um, but, you know, the main pieces of the goals and objectives would be preserve community, um, protect health and quality of life, and address our critical infrastructure needs. And pretty much everything that we talk about fits in those three categories. Got it. High level, when people are looking at the budget for 2022 or, you know, they're paying their water bill or whatever it might be, what are some of the things that um, residents of the town of Telluride might notice when it comes to, oh, these are ways that the budget is affecting me? So I think you nailed it right there, your water bill. We do an annual rate study. And so when we're uh, looking to put those pieces of the puzzle into the budget, and there's a lot of them. Uh, one of them is, you know, deciding what the rate structure needs to be for our utilities, our water and wastewater. And there's an operating expense, and we try to match the, the revenues that are coming into that. So um, looking at that this year specifically, uh, council, I, I want to commend them for taking some money out of reserves to help offset those expenses. Council is uh, went forward with a 12% increase. It was targeted to be a 25% increase. Uh, originally, our water looked, um, that was for our wastewater. Our water looked a little higher than 5%, but that after the, the rate study locked in at 5%. So, um, you know, those are, you're going to see your bill increase by those amounts. Uh, it's adds up over a course of a year, but um, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe the average bill was about uh, 16 to $17 that, that it will go up. Are there any other places that folks might see um, costs of things either going up or going down based off of the budget? So we do have fee a fee schedule. Um, a lot of the fees uh, we try to just keep uh, stable right now. Um, you know, the 
you know, planning department has a lot of fees. Our parks tries to keep things as affordable as possible. Um, so you won't see too much of, of that. Um, however, for next year, uh, council does want to have a pretty in-depth discussion uh, before that our budget and get into um, to see where those fees are in line with with everyone else. So, and then obviously another piece. There's the general fund and and those sorts of things. There's also capital projects. Are there any big ticket items that town council is budgeting for in 2022? Yeah, there's certainly as long as that real estate transfer tax comes in, uh, that gives an opportunity to do a project or. Uh, save those funds for a bigger project down the road. So uh, this year, council, uh, they had a lot of decisions to make. And uh, in front of them, they they did put about $2.5 million into our parks and recreation. And that's uh, finishing up the skate park. Uh, and then also a new warming hut and multi-use uh, temporary youth space. And that's also a, a really big addition to the parks to have that. And that that's about a $2 million project. The skate park was about a 400000 additional to what we put in uh, this year on it. And then uh, there's also some oval improvements uh, for surfacing of the perimeter around where that facility is. So uh, that's the, the larger pieces is uh, parks and recreation this year. There are also uh, our Shandoka affordable housing units. Uh, there's a siding update of $750,000 uh, happening uh, next year as well on that. So quite a few things. Roz, I appreciate you taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Is there any other budget-related items that you think uh, listeners or residents of Telluride should really know about heading into next year? One of the main things is uh, people always ask what our reserves are. And uh, council did a, a really good job uh, this year uh, assessing. We had uh, record high reserves on the books from the last couple of years. And we utilize those, again, to offset some of those expenses for uh, wastewater. Um, but we brought our, our fiscal policy is to have a 30% reserve in general fund. And right now we do have that 30% reserve. That's about uh, $3.9 million. And then uh, we, we have a targeted reserve for capital fund, uh, knowing we want to do all those projects and to let more money uh, kind of fill the bucket back up. That got dropped down to 15%. So... Um, those are some big things uh, that there's definitely uh, a lot behind the scenes that happen. This process starts around the, the middle of July, um, even earlier in the finance department. And I mean, it just passed yesterday. So it's a lot of hours that go into that. And I'm very appreciative to uh, especially our staff that that works a lot behind the scenes to make that happen. Definitely. Well, Ross, thank you so much. And yeah, congratulations again on getting the budget passed. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me here. That was Ross Herzog talking about the town of Telluride's budget for 2022. The mountain is closed to public access until opening day, according to the Telluride Ski Resort. The resort is working on snowmaking, grooming, and avalanche mitigation in preparation for the upcoming winter season. Scott Pittenger, Telski Director of Mountain Ops, notes he understands fresh new snow is hard to resist, but says the mountain needs to remain closed for, quote, the safety of the public and staff. The mountain will open for the ski season on Thanksgiving Day. Local ski passes are on sale until November 13th. 
In other closures, on Thursday, October 28th, the Judd Weeby Trail will be closed in the afternoon. According to the Telluride Mountain Club, they will be flying parts in for a bridge replacement on the trail. Hikers are asked to avoid the area. The trail will be closed from 12.30 to 4 p.m. Halloween on the Hill is back in 2021. But this year, the spook isn't sticking just to the hill. We are doing Night of the Telluride Undead. That's Mary Higgins, Director of Public Engagement at the Telluride Historical Museum. Rather than the traditional haunted hospital, this year the museum is heading out on the town for a scavenger hunt mixed with an escape room. There will also be zombies. Teams will follow the story of Left Lucy Walker, a historically inspired fictional character created from the minds of Museum Executive Director Kiernan Lannan and Molly Daniel Perot, the museum's program and exhibits director. We were trying to think of what what would have haunted the museum, what might have been around here. And uh, we had this boot and we came up with a story of a woman who had mysteriously died up at the mines, um, and there was mystery around if she she was buried, legend was told, with one leg. The story will lead teams throughout town, if you can crack the code. Much of what teams will be doing is um, a lot of puzzle solving. So we have different clues that will take you to um, historical or modern day sites around Telluride. Um, once you gather certain clues, they help you find other clues. It kind of takes you down this rabbit hole and takes you throughout town and gives you a little bit of historical context while also kind of just keeping modern and fun um, as far as uh, going on an adventure that is hopefully a little spooky and a little frightful. Night of the Telluride Undead is for anyone daring enough to participate who are 13 years and older. Teams are up to six people. Individuals can also sign up and will be placed on a team the night of. Registration for the Night of the Telluride Undead is available at telluridemuseum.org. The event will take place on Sunday, October 31st. Teams must show up at the museum at 6.30 p.m. on the dot. The museum recommends wearing warm clothes and shoes for running or walking. For the younger folks about town, the museum will also be hosting its annual trick-or-treating on the hill from 4 to 6 p.m. The play's the thing. Or maybe the mural, or the arts education program, or the exhibit. The Colorado Creative Corps is looking for artists to give money to through American Rescue Plan grants. The grants can go towards an artist or artist collective. Applicants need to be Colorado residents, 18 years or older, and partner with a community organization for their project. According to the Colorado Creative Corps, the projects should focus on a specific impact area, such as community development, climate justice, youth development, mental health, or prison reform, to name a few. The projects can be virtual or in-person and include art exhibitions, performances, readings, concerts, the creation of art, murals, arts education programming, portfolio creation, or other art-centric projects. To qualify, the project must be completed by June 30th, 2022. Grants can range from $2,500 to $25,000. There are two deadlines to apply, November 1st and January 13th. Applications are available at oedit.colorado.gov. A committee helping lawmakers decide how to spend $400 million of federal coronavirus relief money on affordable housing programs has released a draft of its recommendations. 
KOTO's Scott Franz has more. A revolving loan fund to build new housing units currently has the most support from the group. The committee says as much as a quarter of the relief money should go into the program. Member Aaron Maripol works for the Urban Land Conservancy. He says the loans could be, quote, transformational and result in thousands of new units. If you're able to have an access to a loan fund that can go buy a building in a neighborhood that's been hit hard by COVID, you can move quickly on it. Other ideas include giving out housing grants directly to cities and converting underused hotels and other buildings into transitional housing for people experiencing homelessness. The group will come back with a final report in two weeks, and lawmakers will vote on it in January. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low in the mid-20s. Thursday should be sunny with a high near 50 degrees. Thursday night expect mostly clear skies with a low around 30. Friday calls for sunny skies during the day and clear skies at night with a high in the mid-50s and a low around freezing. This has been the news for Wednesday, October 27th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Attention parents with young children. Would you like to learn strategies to help with your child's challenging behavior? Bright Futures is partnering with Wilkinson Public Library and Telluride R1 School District to bring you another free in-person parenting workshop all about challenging behaviors. Hi, this is Madeline with Bright Futures. The Challenging Behaviors Parenting Workshop will take place on Wednesday, November 3rd from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. at Wilkinson Public Library. Food and child care will be provided. No registration is necessary and Spanish translation will be available. For questions, please email me at madeline at brightfuturesforchildren.org. Hey CODA listeners, this is Jacqueline with Eco Action Partners and the CARE Program, also called the SMPA IQ Weatherization Program. The CARE Program is for renters and homeowners alike. If you live in a house, a mobile home, apartment, duplex, condo, a structure, then this applies to you. The CARE program offers free energy efficiency upgrades for you, saving you tons of money on your energy bills this year. We come in and evaluate your home for free, install the upgrades for free, and make the home improvements happen for you, all for free for you. This is paid for by your local utility companies, San Miguel Power Association and Black Hills Energy, in conjunction with EcoAction Partners in Energy Outreach Colorado. So how do you apply? Go online to ecoactionpartners.org and click on SMPA IQ weatherization for more information or call Eco Action Partners at 970-728-1340. Again, that's ecoactionpartners.org or call 970-728-1340. Save money on your energy bills and make your home more comfortable this winter season. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Cutout. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.